Welcome to tonight's Zoomcast on Revelation, the Apocalypse of John, Chapter 2. Starting in Revelation, Chapter 2, Verse 1. Unto the servant of the church of Ephesus, right? Now, remember that the book of Revelation is a single revelation that was given to John. And it was written for the express purpose of instructing those who would be end-time servants. And the servant of the church of Ephesus, it's not that there are precisely seven in number, but almost everything in Revelation is metaphorical. And the number seven represents completeness. And so we have a series of servants who are serving under the direction of the end time servant, Joseph Smith, Jr. And the seven churches are seven groups or types of people who are going to be gathered or sent the fullness of the gospel in the last days. And the churches represent a people with whom God has a covenant. Now, they have not yet proved themselves true and faithful sufficient to be delivered, but the instruction to the seven churches um, is instruction about how God's covenant people need to repent so that they might return and qualify for deliverance from bondage um, and destruction. Now, Ephesus, you know, after the destruction of Jerusalem by the first abomination of desolation in AD 70, was you know, the de facto headquarter of the church. And these people are those among the Latter-day Saints who have uh, at least partially wakened to their awful situation. They have sufficient discernment that they can, you know, recognize, you know, false prophets and apostles. And they have entered into the new covenant. Um, they have begun the path. However, um, after partaking the fruit, they have not remained on that straight and narrow path that would lead them to receiving the sealing by the Holy Spirit of promise. So unto the servant of the church of Ephesus, write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Okay, the seven stars are another representation of the end time servants or gatherers who are sent to the four corners of the earth to gather out the, you know, God's covenant people to gather out Israel onto an end time exodus. who holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Now, remember in Isaiah, the Lord's right hand is the Lord's end-time servant. And 
these would be those, including the end-time servant, who are accomplishing the work of gathering out and saving God's people from destruction. Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, what are the seven golden candlesticks? Okay, again, these represent the seven churches or, you know, these are the people of God. God's covenant people who qualify to have the fullness of the gospel uh, presented to them to see if they will be true and faithful. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, or you have discernment, and you are correctly discerning those who are evil, um, or you're calling out the wolves in sheep's clothing. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Okay, so the people in Ephesus are exercising discernment. Let's cross reference. First Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 11 through 16. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Wherefore their ways shall be unto them as slippery ways in the darkness. They shall be driven on and fall therein. For I will bring evil upon them even the year of their visitation, saith the Lord. And I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied of Baal and caused my people Israel to err. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers, that none doth return from the wickedness, and they are all of them unto me as Sodom, and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood, and make them drink the waters of gall. And from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. And in DNC 85 verse 7. And because the prophets and apostles of the Latter-day Saints have gone out of the way. And instead of worshiping, as Jeremiah says in chapter 23, the true God of Israel, they are prophets of Baal. It becomes necessary for the second coming of Jesus Christ, for the Lord to move them out of their place or out of their places. DNC 85 verse 7. And it shall come to pass that I, the Lord God, will send one mighty and strong, holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with a light for a covering, whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, while his bow shall be a fountain of truth, to set in order the house of God. Now, is it possible to set in order something that is not out of order? 
It is not. The end time servant must come on the scene because the house of God is out of order. And it all starts because of the corrupt leadership. And to arrange by lot the inheritances of the saints. Well, what is the inheritance of the saints? Well, it is to have a place in New Jerusalem. But they don't yet qualify for their inheritance. So the end time servant comes on the scene to minister to them that they might ascend and qualify for their inheritance in New Jerusalem and for millennial rest. The inheritances of the saints whose names are found and the names of their fathers and their children enrolled in the book of the law of God. And in DNC 101, you know, talking about those or these prophets who prophesied falsehood and have become prophets of Baal. In the parable of redemption of Zion, verse 46, referring to those who ministered, you know, under and after Joseph Smith until our day. And the servants of the nobleman, the nobleman is the Lord of the vineyard or Jesus Christ, went and did as their Lord commanded them and planted the olive trees. Um, or establish the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the restoration. Um, the olive trees representing the membership of the church. And build a hedge round about, or in other words, they properly taught the doctrine of Christ, which was being accepted and began to be lived by the people. And set watchmen and began to build a tower. Now, remember that the tower in the pair of the redemption of Zion represents ascension by church leadership, that they themselves, as they are teaching the doctrine of Christ, even how to go forth and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the Lord's rest, are doing it themselves. But something happens. And while they were laying the foundation thereof, they began to say among themselves, and what need hath my Lord of this tower? And consulted for a long time, saying among themselves, what need hath my Lord of this tower, seeing this is a time of peace? For, you know, Joseph is willing to do the hard work. We should let the hard work be done by him. And we can focus upon the cares of the world. And we can focus upon Babylon. And consulted for a long time, saying among themselves, What need hath my lord of this tower, seeing this is a time of peace? Might not this money be given to the exchanges, for there is no need of these things? Or instead of devoting their entire life to serving the only true and living God, they instead devoted their energies and their time and their resources to Babylon or the exchangers. And while they were yet at variance one with another, they became very slothful, and they hearkened not unto the commandments of their Lord. So the problem was that leadership had become both lazy and wicked. And the enemy came by night and broke the hedge. Now, breaking down the hedge, if the membership of the church had 
been honoring the covenants that they had entered into, if they had been repenting of their sins as the Lord instructs that we need to repent, if they had been offering the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, the hedge would have been sufficiently strong that no matter how strong the force of the enemy, they could not have broken it down. The only reason that the enemy was able to break down the hedge of protection is because it was not sufficiently fortified by the faithfulness of the members of the church, both in Joseph's day and in our day. And the enemy came by night and broke down the hedge and the servants of the nobleman arose and were affrighted and fled and the enemy destroyed their works and broke down the olive trees. What does that say about the condition of the LDS church, both membership and leadership? Now, behold, the nobleman, the Lord of the vineyard, called upon his servants and said unto them, Why, what is the cause of this great evil? Ought ye not to have done even as he commanded you, and after ye had planted the vineyard, and built a hedge round about, and set watchmen upon the walls thereof, and built the tower also, and set a watchman upon the tower, and watched for my vineyard, and not have fallen asleep, lest the enemy should come upon you? And behold, the watchman upon the tower would have seen the enemy while he was yet afar off, then ye could have made ready." And kept the enemy from breaking down the hedge thereof and saved my vineyard from the hands of the destroyer, which means you did not. Just see Matthew 21. Again, Christ referring. <clears throat> to the prophets and apostles in the LDS church of our day. Wherefore, verse 54, on whomsoever this stone, and Christ has declared himself to be the stone, shall fall, it shall grind him to powder. Now he's going to talk about church leadership. And when the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, he will destroy those miserable, wicked men. Christ calls the prophets and apostles of our day, and I should say prophets and apostles in calling only, not because they have merited through faithfulness um, to be uh, ordained by Christ himself, but they call themselves prophets and apostles, knowing full well that they have no power or authority from the God of Israel. He will destroy those miserable, wicked men and will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen, return of the end time servant even in the last days, who shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Now, cross-referencing DNC 112, also about these false prophets and apostles of our day. Verse 25, And upon my house shall it begin, and from my house shall it go forth, saith the Lord. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me and have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house. Well, who is this talking about? It's talking about the prophets and apostles who claim to have power and authority to act in the name of God, knowing full well that they do not have that power and authority. And instead of pointing the members of the church to the doctrine of Christ and that which we will and that which will save them, 
who is Christ by becoming his sons and daughters to the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that they might receive that sanctification and that level of revelation, that they might be instructed about how to enter into the Lord's rest while in this life. They divert them to the busy work of good things at the expense of those things which will save, knowing full well what they are doing. And regarding this, 2 Nephi 28. Verse 21, and others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say all is well in Zion, yea, Zion prospereth. All is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. And by engaging the members of the church in those things which are good, but neglecting those things which are of greatest importance, they knowingly lead the members of the church down to hell. And they dig a pit to ensnare them, as it says in 1 Nephi chapter 14 talking about the membership of our day and the leadership of our day. Verse 3, And that great pit which hath been digged for them by that great and abominable church, which was founded by the devil and his children, that he might lead them away the souls of men down to hell. Yea, that great pit which hath been digged for the destruction of men shall be filled by those who digged it. Under their utter destruction, saith the Lamb of God, not to the destruction of the soul, save it be the casting of it into that hell which hath no end. And in Ether chapter 12. Or rather, Ether chapter 8, verse 23 and 24. Wherefore, O ye Gentiles, or wherefore, O ye members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby ye may repent of your sins, and suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you, not talking about political power, but talking about in ecclesiastical authority within your own church which are built up to get power and gain. And the work, yea, even the work of destruction shall come upon you, yea, even the sword of the justice of the eternal God shall fall upon you to your overthrow and destruction. If you shall suffer these things to be, O Latter-day Saints, do not allow this abomination to happen among you. But verse 24, Moroni says, but when it does. Wherefore the Lord commandeth you, when you shall see these things come among you, that ye shall awake to a sense of your awful situation because of the secret combination, which shall be among you in your own church. Or woe be unto it because of the blood of them who have been slain. For they cry from the dust for vengeance upon it and also upon those who build it up. And in C64. Verses 34 through 40. Behold, the Lord requireth the heart and a willing mind, and the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land of Zion in these last days. And the rebellious shall be cut off out of the land of Zion, and shall be sent away and shall not inherit the land. For verily I say unto the rebellious, are not of the blood of Ephraim, 
wherefore they shall be plucked out. We have the tares growing up with the wheat. Behold, I the Lord have made my church in these last days like unto a judge sitting on a hill or a high place to judge the nations. For it shall come to pass that the inhabitants of Zion shall judge all things pertaining to Zion. And liars and hypocrites shall be proved by them, and they who are not apostles and prophets shall be known. The Lord would not give this prophecy if it had no basis in future events. And even the bishop who is a judge and his counselors, if they are not faithful in their stewardship, shall be condemned and others shall be planted in their stead. For behold, I say unto you that Zion shall flourish and the glory of the Lord shall be upon her. Therefore, one mighty and strong must be sent um, that the miserable wicked men might be destroyed and the humble followers of Christ might be delivered. Continuing in Revelation chapter 2. I know thy works, verse 2, and thy labor and thy patience. I know thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Well, all sounds good so far. Verse 4, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. So you have been partially faithful. You have exercised discernment. However, there is a problem that if you do not repent and return, you're not going to make it. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Well, how did they get this discernment in the first place? That they might know a true prophet from a false one. It was by entering into the new covenant, offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. The Lord had to be their first love. They had to submit their wills to his will that they might not only discern the false prophet, but that they might receive true doctrine and thus receive the word of the true prophet and reject the word of the false prophet. Thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Well, what are the first works? Submitting their will to God's will. For <clears throat> they submitted for a period of time, and then they stopped. Let's cross-reference. First Nephi chapter 8. Verses 21 through 28. And I saw numberless concourses of people, many of whom were pressing forward that they might obtain the path which led unto the tree by which I stood. Now, this is a commentary on 
Lehi's Tree of Life vision, that the tree is in fact Jesus Christ. And those pressing forward to find the tree are those who receive the doctrine of Christ. They repent. They offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit that they might qualify to become sons and daughters of Christ through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, or partake of the fruit of the tree. And it came to pass that they did come forth and commence in the path which led to the tree. Now, regarding this, 2 Nephi 31. Verse 19, And now, my beloved brethren, after ye have gotten into the straight and narrow path, and this straight and narrow path is the straight and narrow path which extends after partaking of the fruit. So it's the straight and narrow path that brings us into the presence of Jesus Christ in his glory in this life. After the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, nay, for ye have not come thus far. For ye did not get to the tree to partake of the fruit, except it was by the word of Christ. What does that mean? Except it were by the word of Christ or feasting upon the words of Christ, seeking after receiving and acting on revelation, specifically about how to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. You have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. That is how one gets to the tree to partake of the fruit. So, everything is good so far. And again, these are the people of Ephesus. And they did press forward, halfway through 24 of First Nephi 8, clinging to the rod of iron until they did come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree. And after they had partaken of the fruit of the tree, now, regarding partaking of the fruit of the tree. Verse 10. And it came to pass that I beheld a tree whose fruit was desirable to make one happy, becoming a son or daughter of Christ. Again, by offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit to receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, that one might be instructed if one continues on that straight and narrow path to enter into the rest of the Lord. And it came to pass that I did go forth and partake of the fruit thereof, and I beheld that it was most sweet above all that I had ever before tasted. Or... The experience of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, is the most powerful spiritual experience one will have in this life until one enters into the rest of the Lord. It was most sweet above all that I had ever before tasted. Yea, I beheld that the fruit thereof was white to exceed all the whiteness that I had ever seen. And as I partook of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also, for I knew that it was desirable above all other fruit. Going back to 
verse 25. And after they had partaken of the fruit of the tree, they did cast their eyes about as if they were ashamed. And I also cast my eyes round about and beheld on the other side of the river of water, a great and spacious building. And it stood as if it were in the air high above the earth. And it was filled with people, both old and young, both male and female, and their manner of dress was exceedingly fine. And they were in the attitude of mocking and pointing their finger towards those who had come at and were partaking of the fruit. And after they had tasted of the fruit, they were ashamed because of those things or because of those that were scoffing at them and they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. Well, part of John's vision of our day are those who would seek after and receive the doctrine of Christ and would enter into it with their full hearts. But at some point on the path, their hearts would become hardened and they would no longer do the very thing that had allowed them to get to that place. And they would wander off into strange paths and would be lost. And if they do not repent and return, they don't make it. Mosiah chapter five. Verses 10 through 13. And now it shall come to pass that whosoever shall not take upon him the name of Christ must be called by some other name. Therefore he findeth himself on the left hand of God. And I would that ye should remember also that this is the name that I said I should give unto you that never should be blotted out, except it be through transgression. Therefore take heed that ye do not transgress, that the name be not blotted out of your hearts. For King Benjamin's people, in receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, have taken upon them the name of Jesus Christ and have become his sons and his daughters. However, that sonship, that daughtership can be erased through transgression. I say unto you, I would that ye should remember to retain the name written always in your hearts, that ye are not found on the left hand of God, but that ye hear and know the voice by which ye shall be called, and also the name by which he shall call you. For how knoweth a man the master whom he hath not served, and who is a stranger unto him, and is far from the thoughts and intents of his heart? And now in Second Nephi 31. Verse 14. But behold, my beloved brethren, thus came the voice of the Son unto me, saying, After ye have repented of your sins and witnessed unto the Father that ye are willing to keep my commandments by the baptism of water and have received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and can speak with a new tongue, yea, even with the tongue of angels, and after this ye should deny me, it would have been better for you that ye had not known me. Back to Revelation. Chapter 2. Verse 3. And hast borne and hast patience 
and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. You have either commenced on the path or partaken of the fruit, but now you have wandered off into strange paths because you have become prideful and you cease to offer up the sacrifice of broken heart and contrite spirit. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. That which brought you as far as you made it in the first place. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Or I will remove the oath which I made to you that you should be my son, that you should be my daughter, and I will deliver you from destruction and also from bondage, and you will have an inheritance on this earth forever. And you will dwell with me a thousand years in millennial rest. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Well, who are the Nicolaitans? They're the foolish virgins among the members of the church. They're those who are blinded by the craftiness of men who want to do good, but accept as doctrine that which is given to them by those who speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, and thus find themselves caught up in the work of endless genealogies and going to temples where no endowment is administered. However, that is the symbol of their devotion to God and it is a false temple. And so their works are built upon things that they believe that will save them and exalt them, but there is no power there. And the spirit has been testifying to their hearts of the truth, but they will not receive it because they, they prefer the traditions of their fathers following the instruction of the spirit unless they do not have eyes to see they do not have ears to hear they do not have hearts to understand and thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them carefully down to hell but this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the deeds of the nicolaitans or of the prophets and apostles who preach falsehood and the words of Baal, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. Or this counsel would profit all. Um, regardless of who you are or what your state is, if you will listen unto this counsel and this direction and you will hearken to it, it will benefit you. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. Okay. Again, the spirit of God has been witnessing 
to the members of the church the way things actually are, that all is not well in Zion, that these men who command you speak not by the power or authority of the Holy Ghost, and you should search for greater light and knowledge. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. Um, this partaking of the fruit of the tree of life um, includes both partaking of the fruit of the tree which Lehi saw and also entering into the rest of the Lord. It is the design of the doctrine of Christ, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. For the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ in every generation in which the fullness of the gospel is on the earth is to have God's people enter into covenant with God, that he may be their God and that they might be his people, that they might enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory in this life. Now, we have the revelation of Jesus Christ to John about a second group of God's covenant people, the church in Smyrna. And unto the servant of the church in Smyrna, write, these things saith the first and the last, a reference to Jesus Christ, who is the creator of this earth, who is the savior of this earth and will prove to be the deliverer of his people and the savior of his people and the exalter of his people, the first and the last, which was dead, who died on the cross and then was resurrected and lives today. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. A reference to those things which actually have value. And it's not the things of this earth, but it is the riches of eternity. It is the covenant relationship that we have by being obedient to God with him. To become his sons and daughters and from sons and daughters to birthright sons and daughters. For he literally extends the hand to us that we might receive all that he has. Those are true riches. I know thy works, tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So... Again, I go back to DNC 112. And in this context, the Jews are the Latter-day Saints. And let's actually first read from 2 Nephi 28. Verses 14 and 15. They wear stiff necks. Nephi talking about the Latter-day Saints. They were stiff necks and high heads. 
and because of pride and wickedness and abominations. And whoredoms, they have all gone astray. Save it be a few who are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they are led that in many instances they do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. Oh, the wise and the learned and the rich that are puffed up in the pride of their hearts and all those who preach false doctrines and all those who commit whoredoms and pervert the right way of the Lord. Woe, 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 which is only said in the context of referring to God's covenant people, the Latter-day Saints. And woe also means covenant curse. And three woes or three covenant curses is the maximum level. Maximum level covenant curse be unto them, saith the Lord God Almighty, for they shall be thrust down to hell. In C one twelve, twenty five and twenty six again, and upon my house shall it begin. My house being defined in DNC one hundred one as the membership and leadership of the LDS Church. And from my house shall it go forth. What shall go forth? The latter day abomination of desolation. Saith the Lord, first among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me and have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house, saith the Lord. Those who proclaim knowing full well their deception to be prophets and apostles of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who are not. Or back to Revelation 2, verse 9. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, or which say they are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and are not, because they have rejected the doctrine of Christ, but are the synagogue of Satan, or... Again, 1 Nephi chapter 14, verse 3. That great pit which hath been digged for them by that great and abominable church, which was founded by the devil and his children, that he might lead away the souls of men down to hell. And in verse 10. And he said unto me, behold, there are saved two churches only. The one is the church of the Lamb of God, and the other is the church of the devil. Wherefore, whoso belongeth not to the church of the Lamb of God belongeth to that great church, which is the mother of abominations, and she is the whore of all the earth. Revelation 2. Verse 9 again. The blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, or true disciples of Jesus Christ, prophets and apostles, and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Now, many Latter-day Saints, um, even those who have found the fullness and have entered into the new covenant and are doing their best to keep covenant with their God, uh, think that, you know, like the uh, Protestant Christian 
that uh, who believes that they're going to be raptured before the tribulation. So do these Latter-day Saints believe that they're going to be spared all tribulation? When the reality is they're not going to be spared the tribulation, but like Alma's people, as he led them out of the city of King Noah, and they came into bondage by the Lamanites, the Lord strengthened them that their burdens became easy and light, but they still went into bondage. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. You know, ten days being a more metaphor for just a short time. So don't lose hope. Know that it's coming. It's going to be okay. Um, be like Joseph, who was sold into Egypt and continue to be faithful for eventually I will deliver you. The devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried. Well, why do we have to be tried? Because we're not yet the men and women that we need to be, that Christ needs us to be. We're not yet the men and women who qualify for new Jerusalem. We're not yet the men who qualify to become kings and priests under the Most High God, or the women who will qualify to be queens and priestesses. And so we need the tribulation that we might be tried, that we might become the men and women that we are called to be. That ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days or just a short time. Be thou faithful unto death. So just a short time doesn't mean that this physical body will not be taken from us. But account it unto the glory of God. Everything that you are called to suffer. For your sufferings shall be but for a small moment. And I will give thee a crown of life. Or in other words... In C-76, if you bear these things, I will seal the patriarchal order of the Melchizedek priesthood upon you men and the matriarchal order upon you women. And you men will become kings and priests. You women will become queens and priestesses and thus become candidates at the end of the millennium after the battle of Gog and Magog to ascend to translated celestial glory. DNC 76. Verse 56, they are they who are priests and kings who have received of his fullness and of his glory and are priests of the most high after the order of Melchizedek, which was after the order of Enoch, which was after the order of the only begotten son. Wherefore, as it is written, they are God's little G, even the sons of God, big G. These are they, verse 66, who are come unto Mount Zion, New Jerusalem, and also unto the city of the living God, the heavenly place, the holiest of all. These are they who have come to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of Enoch. And when a man received the second order of Melchizedek priesthood and a woman, the matriarchal order, 
They become members not only of the Church of the Firstborn, which they became when they entered into the rest of the Lord, but also under the Church of Enoch and of the Firstborn. These are they whose names are written in heaven where God and Christ are the judge of all. These are they who are just men made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who wrought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. Back to Revelation 2. Partway through verse 10. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. For if sacrificing your life, not only with the death of the physical body, but with total and complete devotion to God, if that is the price that is required that you may receive the crown, it is asking but little of you in comparison to the reward which God hath for you. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Notice that the people referred to as the church of Smyrna, they haven't been called to repentance, but they have been called to continue in faithfulness. Or in other words, you are doing exactly what I would ask of you to do. You are true and faithful, but do not slacken your strength because you are headed for hard, difficult times. Do not go into fear. Steady the course, feast upon the words of Christ, and you will not lose your reward. Regardless of what you are called to go through or suffer, it will be but for a small moment. And you will be rewarded a thousandfold. Verse 12. And to the servant of the church in Pergamos, write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly. I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. And will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receive it. Now let's go and unpack the meaning of these verses. And to the servant of the church in Pergamos write, 
These things saith he which hath a sharp sword and two edges. Or that servant who speaks by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, which is more powerful than a two-edged sword unto the dividing asunder of both joint and marrow and sinew. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, or those who are laboring in the vineyard among the Nicolaitans, or among the Latter-day Saints, that they might be gathered out, that they might repent. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith. For in this year, as the people in Smyrna, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. So not all of you are going to be unscathed. It's okay. Do not fear. Keep up the good fight. Do not be discouraged. But I have a few things against thee. Okay, here's where you need to repent. Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Um, you know, the doctrine of Balaam we could make analogous to um, the sins of those of the church of Ephesus. And, you know, Balaam and Balak is discussed in Numbers chapter 11 and 12. Let's, let's go to Numbers 11. I meant Numbers 22. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched, this is verse 1, in the plains of Moab on this side of Jordan by the Jericho, or by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. And he sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor, to Pathor, which is by the river of the land, of the children of his people to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land, for I what that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he who, whom thou cursed is cursed. 
Um, this should give you thoughts. Um, Third Nephi or Helaman chapter 10. The Lord giving Nephi the sealing power or sealing the second order of Melchizedek priesthood upon him. Verses 6 and 7 in Helaman 10. Behold, thou art Nephi, and I am God. Behold, I declare it unto thee in the presence of mine angels, that ye shall have power over this people and shall smite the earth with famine and with pestilence and destruction according to the wickedness of this people. Behold, I give unto you power that whatsoever you shall seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And thus shall you have power among this people. So so Balaam is a true prophet. Um, However, he's not infallible. He's good, but he's not infallible. That I may drive them out, continue in verse 6, of the land, for I wot, or I know, that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he who he, and he whom thou cursest is is cursed for you have the priesthood of God and the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the hand. Oh, departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again. As the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. You know, of course, this is the children of Israel. Come now, curse me them. For adventure, I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak, and said, Balaam refuseth to come up with us. And Balak sent yet again princes, more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam, and said unto him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said unto his servants, Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. So, so far, Balaam is proving to be a true and faithful servant.
Now, therefore, I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. And God said unto Balaam at night, and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that thou shalt do. And Balaam rose up in the morning, and saddled his ass, and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. So this would lead us to believe that we have a mistranslation. That what the Lord actually said to Balaam was, prophesy unto them, but do not go with them. And so breaking the Lord's command, Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword... The angel's sword was drawn in his hand, and the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on his side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself onto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall and smote her, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place, where was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, what have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, and now I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was, ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever want? or accustomed to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword was drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times, unless she had turned from me, surely. Now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodst in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeases thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak, 
So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. So the original um, writing was probably that the Lord told Balaam not to go. He did anyway. He was reproved. He was saved from um, certain death. And at that point, the Lord said, go ahead, but beware that you only say those things which I shall give unto you. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And when Balak heard that Balaam was come, he went out to meet him unto a city of Moab, which is in the border of Arnon, which is in the uttermost coast or boundary. And Balak said unto Balaam, did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth shalt I speak. And Balaam went with Balak, and they came unto Kirjath Huzoth. And Balak offered oxen and sheep and sent Balaam and to the princes that were with him. And it came to pass that on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him into the high places of Baal. That thence he might see the utmost part of the people. And Balaam said unto Balak, build me here seven altars. And prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go peradventure. The Lord will come to meet me. And whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to a high place. Or a bare hill. And God met Balaam. And he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars. And I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram. And out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel, or denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy from the Lord? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defiled? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. And lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. And Balak said unto Balaam, what hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, with me unto another place, 
from whence thou mayest see them. And thou shalt see but the utmost part of them, and shalt not see them all, and curse me them from thence. And he brought him onto the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And he said unto Balak, Stand here by thy burnt offering, while I meet the Lord yonder. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again to Balak and say thus. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said he shall not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed and I, and I cannot reverse it. He hath, or talking about the children of Israel and God giving them these lands. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn, or the strength of a wild ox. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel according to this time. It shall be said of Jacob and Israel, what hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion, and lift himself as a young lion, and shall not lie down until he eat of the prey, and drink the blood of the slain. And Balak said unto Balaam, Neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Hold not I thee, saying all that the Lord speaketh that I must do? And Balak said unto Balaam, Come, I pray thee, I will bring thee unto another place. Peradventure it will please God that thou mayest curse me them from thence. And Balak brought Balaam unto the top of Peor, that looketh toward Jeshmon, or overlook the desert. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven bullocks and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not. As at other times to seek for enchantments, but he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents, according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon them. And he took of his parable. Or his figurative discourse. And he took up his figurative discourse or parable, and said, Balaam, the son of Beor, hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said. He hath said, which heard the words of God, 
which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles or dwellings, O Israel. As the valleys are they spread forth, as gardens by the riverside, as the trees of <coughs> ligon, aloes which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his bucket, and his seed shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. You know, higher than Agag or the Amalekites. And God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn or a wild ox. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion and as a great lion who shall stir him up. Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together, and Balak said unto Balaam, I called thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor, but lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. And Balaam said unto Balak, Spake I not also to thy messengers, which thou sentest unto me, saying, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad of mine own mind, but what the Lord saith, that will I speak. And now, behold, I go unto my people. Come, therefore, and I will advertise, for I will tell thee what this people shall do to thy people in the latter days. So, a prophecy of our day. And he took up his parable, or his figurative discourse, and said unto Balaam, the son of Beor, hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he hath said which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. We have a prophecy of the Lord's end-time servant. And Edom shall be, shall be a possession, and also shall a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he perish forever. And he looked on the Canites and took up his parable and said, Strong is thy dwell-being place, and thou puttest thy nest in a rock. Nevertheless, the Kenite 
shall be wasted until Asher shall carry thee away captive. And he took his parable and said, Alas, who shall live when God doeth this? And ships shall come from the coast of Shittim, and shall afflict Asher, and shall afflict Eber, and he shall perish forever. And Balaam rose up and went and returned to his place, and Balak also went his way. Now that we have the story of Balaam and Balak, we can go back to Revelation chapter 2 um, and have understanding. Verse 14, again, this is to the uh, church at Pergamos. Remember, the people at Pergamos, they have many of the strengths of those of Ephesus uh, and Smyrna. However, I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So clearly in our present day Old Testament, we don't have the entire story. Um, so the rest of the story is that when, you know, Balak, you know, made sacrifices unto Baal, that it was Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. So Balaam actually uh, betrayed the children of Israel and Moses and the Lord in giving Balak information that would be harmful or detrimental to um, the children of Israel. The connotation is that those there are those who begin in the right way of God and who are truly inspired by God and do many good things, but at some point um, are overcome by the adversary and compromise the people of God and his true servants. You know, his true servant would have been Moses and give the enemy that which can be used to hedge up the way and even attempt to destroy God's people and his servants. who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So, you know, the true animal sacrifice, um, you know, the priests and the people would eat of the meat of those animals who were sacrificed unto God but this would be an abomination to partake of the flesh of the sacrifices unto Baal, the false Christ, the false God. And yet, um, perverting true doctrine, um, Balaam 
instructed Balak how to use a counterfeit of true worship um, to worship the God of this world and to commit fornication or to go whoring with other gods. Um, this is a theme carried out also in the book of Isaiah, um, that the married wife is divorced because she fornicates with other men or goes, the implication being that the Latter-day Saints enter into covenant, but not with the God of Israel that they receive for doctrines the commandments of men as if they were the commandments of God. They receive as pure doctrine that which is given not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, but by the vain imaginations and machinations of those who the adversary has raised up to destroy them. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrines of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Or you have accepted some of the doctrine of false prophets and false apostles, and you do not testify to them of their awful situation. You are complacent. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat the hidden manna. Now, what is the hidden manna? Well, in the Lord's Prayer, we have reference to that future manna that the Lord will provide to his saints who are led out on the exodus to establish New Jerusalem, that even though there will be a dearth and famine in the land, yet the Lord will provide for the needs and the wants of his people, even the end-time manna. And also, if they will wait upon him, if they will remain truthful or faithful to him while they are in the days of tribulation, he will by miraculous means provide sufficient support that they do not perish, even though they suffer. And also the hidden manna, well, hidden within the Book of Mormon, to those who have do not have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand, is the doctrine of Christ. It is the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the fact that we do not receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, when we're confirmed a member of the church. But that requires an open dispensation of the fullness of the gospel. That requires that a light has broken forth among them that sit in darkness. That requires that the day of the Gentiles has begun and that 
repentance has been accomplished. Not only that which is dictated to by our conscience, but that we go to God and ask, Father, Heavenly Father, I have attempted to repent of my sins, and I have repented of those things as instructed by my conscience, um, by the light of Christ. But I know that there is yet more. What do I yet need have to repent of and to receive that list by revelation? And then to go to the Lord and tell him, Heavenly Father, what would you have me do that I might repent of these things that thou hast revealed to me by revelation? And then do that instruction. And then go to the Lord and say, Father, I desire to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. I give you permission to give me whatever experiences I yet lack that I might fully come into a broken heart and contrite spirit, that I might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in addition to that, actively seek out, Father, what would you have me do this day that I might fully offer up the sacrifice of broken heart and contrite spirit, that at the appropriate time I might receive the ordinance of translation or the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not translation. That comes to the true and faithful on the morning of the first resurrection. And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the hidden manna. Well, this is not only physical sustenance, um, but the hidden manna is also the second part or the spiritual part of the baptismal covenant. The visible portion is baptism of water. The hidden manna is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Or to him that will seek after receive an act on revelation, he shall become my son or daughter through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And also I will preserve his life physically. Unless the price for him to inherit his reward during the millennial peace is that he offer up his life. And if that be the case, then it be well with him. And will give him a white stone. Well, what is this white stone? This white stone is referred to DNC 130. Now, here we're really looking forward. Now, remember that this is a prophecy, and not only of the tribulations leading into um, the millennial rest, but now we're looking um, past millennial rest to the end of the millennium, when uh, Lucifer is again unbound, and he draws away a third of the hosts of heaven, this is a brand new war in heaven or the battle of Gog and Magog. Um, 
And those kings and priests, those queens and priestesses, who do not fall during this battle of Gog and Magog, are now heirs of celestial glory, meaning the opportunity to receive the ordinance of translation to the celestial order. And regarding this, verse 10, then the white stone mentioned in Revelation 2, verse 17, will become a Urim and Thummim to each individual who receives one, whereby things pertaining to a higher order of kingdoms will be made known. And a white stone is given to each of those who come unto the celestial kingdom, upon or whereon is a new name written, which no man knoweth save he that received it. The new name is the key word. Now, this your this individual Yerman Thummim given to those who ascend to the level of being translated to celestial glory, which is only a temporary period, and the reason for this is alluded to here. It is a period to gain knowledge. Uh, as referenced by the giving of the white stone, to learn things of all higher orders. Well, does this mean that they already know things of, or all things of the level that they're at and below? It is not. For verse 6, and the angels do not reside on a planet like this, but they reside in the presence of God, on a globe like a sea of glass and fire, where all things, or their glory are manifest past, present, and future, and are continually before the Lord. The place where God resides is a great Urim and Thummim. This earth in its sanctified and immortal state <clears throat> will be made like unto crystal and will be a Urim and Thummim. Okay, this is after the battle of Gog and Magog when this earth is celestialized. It becomes as a sea of glass and becomes a Urim and Thummim, where one may, if they ask, may learn things of all lower orders. To the inhabitants who dwell thereon, whereby all things pertaining to an inferior kingdom, where all kingdoms of a lower order will be manifest to those who dwell on it, and this earth will be Christ. So, we have a looking forward to the last ascension level to do with this earth, which is translated celestial that one may spend a sufficient period of time in learning all things of lower orders and even things of higher orders, that one might be prepared to return to one of those earths which, will be which had been created during the millennial period and finish those mortal probations so that every man might be prepared to become a savior and every woman, the wife of a savior. For to become as father and mother are, there are no shortcuts. And this is the ultimate design of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we may become precisely as Christ is. And this is what John is seeing. This is the culmination and fulfillment of everything that Christ has done 
from the creation to the atonement to his millennial reign. That those who will might become precisely as he is. And in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Each time we hit one of the major pillars on the path of ascension, we receive a new name. Each of the pillars are an endowment of power. The first endowment of power being the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, where we receive a new name, even the name of Jesus Christ. To the church at Thyatria. Okay. Another group of people to whom the servants of God are to minister to. And unto the servant of the church in Thyatria, write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eye like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into hell. And them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you, I say, unto the rest in Thyatria, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And to him who overcometh and keepeth my commandments, unto the end will I give power over many kingdoms. And he shall rule them with the word of God, and they shall be in his hands, as the vessels of clay in the hands of a potter. And he shall govern them by faith, with equity and justice, even as are received of my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear that the Spirit saith unto the churches, or what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, let's unpack these verses. Starting in verse 18. And unto the servant of the church in Thyatria write, These things, these things saith of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Now, Similes, um, like or as, it doesn't mean his feet are brass, doesn't mean uh, his eyes are flames, but they are like them. It is a descriptor, um, just like 
when fire came down um, at Lehi's altar in First Nephi chapter 1, doesn't mean that literal fire came down, that spiritual fire came down. The Son of God who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and the last to be more than the first. So these are faithful people of God. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. So you are partly on the right path, but you have need of repentance. Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication. So, unlike those at Ephesus, you are not exercising discernment. And while you have received true doctrine, you have received many things which are not true doctrine as well. And you have received as servants those who are imposters. In addition to receiving true servants, you have received false prophets. And they have led you down strange paths, even though you have maintained some aspects of true worship. That woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication, or to get those who have been called to stumble, that they never might be chosen, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. All right, similar to the heirs of the people of Pergamos. Um, the heir of Balaam. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication. And she repented not. Cross-reference. Second Nephi 28. Talking about the same group of people. Verse 31. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. Woe be unto the Gentiles, or the latter-day saints of Thyatria, saith the Lord God of hosts, for notwithstanding I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day, they will deny me. Nevertheless, the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me, for mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. 
Notwithstanding 2 Nephi 28.32, I lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day. They will deny me. Behold, I will cast her into hell. These are they who fall into those pits dug for them by false prophets and false apostles that we read about in 1 Nephi chapter 14. And again, verse 1, And it shall come to pass that if the Gentiles, if the Latter-day Saints shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, the day in which the light breaks forth among them that sit in darkness, the fullness of my gospel, which is our day, which is our generation, he shall manifest himself unto them in word and also in power and very deed unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks and harden not their hearts against the Lamb of God. They shall be numbered among the seed of thy father and among the house of Israel. And they shall be a blessed people upon the promised land forever. And they shall be no more be brought down unto captivity and the house of Israel shall no more be confounded. And that great pit which hath been digged for them, for the Latter-day Saints, by that great and abominable church, which your prophets and apostles have aligned themselves with and do serve, which was founded by the devil and his children, that he might lead away the souls of men down to hell. Yea, that great pit which hath been digged for the destruction of men shall be filled by those who digged it and also those who followed them who refused to wake up who have a form of godliness, but, but deny the power thereof. Unto their utter destruction saith the Lamb of God. Behold, I will cast her, back in Revelation 2, verse 22, behold, I will cast her into hell. And them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. These are the foolish virgins, and they are, they are like the Nicolaitans who don't make it and are caught up in the second wave of the abomination of desolation. The first wave of the abomination of desolation destroys the 15. The second wave of the abomination of desolation uh, destroys those who refuse to wake up, but continue to hail them and follow their advice and direction as if they were prophets, seers, and revelators of God. And going back to GST Matthew 21, verse 56, and then understood they, Christ's 12 apostles, the parable which he spake unto them, that the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who follow false prophets and apostles should be destroyed also when the Lord should descend out of heaven to reign in his vineyard. Not meaning the little 24-hour period, but the day of destruction preceding his second coming. Verse 24 in Revelation 2. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatria, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. 
So there will be some among you Latter-day Saints who have been deceived by these wolves in sheep's clothing, but eventually will awaken to your awful situation because of what you suffer and will then qualify for deliverance from destruction. And ultimately, I will deliver you from bondage also. But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. And to him who overcometh and keepeth my commandments, unto the end will I give power over many kingdoms. And he shall rule them with the word of God, and they shall be in his hands. For these are the kings and priests, queens and priestesses. As the vessels of clay in the hands of a potter, now, this has direct reference to the doctrine of eternal liars. And Joseph made mention to some during his earthly ministry of the doctrine of eternal lives. And it was couched often in terms of clay and the potter's wheel. Um, even among miserable, wicked men, uh, Heber C. Kimball discoursed on the doctrine of eternal lives, you know, as he discoursed on the potter's wheel. And, you know, a professor at BYU, Hiram Andes, once wrote a paper on the true meaning of the potter's wheel and was told if he ever shared it with anybody, he would be excommunicated. For it was once common knowledge among the Latter-day Saints, um, the doctrine of eternal lives. And they shall be in his hands as the vessels of clay in the hands of a potter. Again, looking forward to what happens to those who are true and faithful at the end of the millennium? Um, the potter's wheel. The doctrine of eternal lives. They will continue the path of ascension by being born again. And he shall govern them by faith with equity and justice. Even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. The morning star being Christ. Or, as they continue on the path of ascension, they will become precisely as I am. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I testify that these things are true. I testify that we are in those days in which not only will all of these things be fulfilled, but we are in the day right now in which these things are beginning to be fulfilled. And we begin to see these things playing out right before us. May we remain true and faithful. May we inherit eternal glory by following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
and not those who speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.